Welcome to your podcast or mine, where the creative minds behind the mic are interviewed. Now, let's get things started. Here's your host, Sherry. Hey, everyone. Welcome to your podcast or mine. I'm Sherry. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Andy, one of the creative minds behind the podcast, Try Not to Laugh. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Andy, I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me, Sherry. (laughs) So just give a short description of Try Not to Laugh for people listening. Well, the tagline for Try Not to Laugh is basically two lifelong buddies trying to navigate this crazy world through comedy. So the idea behind the show is just two very old friends, and, you know, we we spent uh, most of our lives talking in person and over the phone, and we've always been huge fans of comedy, so we might as well figure out how to pursue this in a comedic capacity. And we knew we're certainly no actors, and we're not really stand-up comics, so what other outlets are there for people like us other than, you know, really podcasting. So we took a crack at it and got some traction, and we've just been doing it ever since. Well, it's a lot of fun. I've listened to a couple of episodes, and, you know, it it can get a a little risque at times, but I think that's what the appeal is of it. I mean, it's it's like you said, two buddies just talking about stuff in in a funny respect. I mean, you take a lot of things are, that are in current events or pop culture, and you put your own spin on it or or give your own take. And sometimes the, the result is something funny. So that's pretty cool. So I've enjoyed listening right, to the show. Right, that's really our goal. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, that's really our goal. It's, you know, we try to talk about relatable topics. Obviously, there is a demographic that we have to be aware of. You know, 80% of our listeners are males between the ages of, you know, 30 and 44. So that's pretty much who we were targeting to begin with. So I feel like we we definitely hit the nail on the head there. You know, not that we don't want a female listener base, not that we don't want a younger or older listener base, but we really wanted to appeal to people, you know, our age and, you know, just like-minded individuals. And then at that point, you know, just kind of make it our own and say, hey, this is who we are. You know, we're, we're not going to apologize for it. We're just two goofballs who are at times, like you said, risque. You know, we don't mind. You know, the, the show is definitely an explicit show, um, not the safest show to work, uh, listen to at work unless you've got headphones on. But, you know, we try to make it funny. I feel like we're naturally just two funny individuals and you know, we're always making each other laugh. So, you know, our goal now is to just find like-minded people and, you know, try to make them laugh. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> yeah, I listened to a, a couple of shows, and I think probably a good starter for someone is to uh, go back into your year in review. Yes, I could not agree more. That is actually probably one of my favorite ones, mainly because it just really – packages all the other episodes really nicely. We took all the highlights from the year and really the first few months are, you know, somewhat of a learning experience for us anyway. So I'd say the show's gonna continue to evolve. If anyone who's listened from episode one now all the way up to episode seventeen will see that, you know, there's a world of difference from where we were in September and even to where we are now in January. So that kind of packaged everything really well and just really gave a good representation of what we're going for in terms of comedy and just the show format. And, you know, moving forward, I think the shows will probably be slightly shorter than they have been in the past, but I think that we're really focusing more on getting the right 
content on there, you know, having a good structure to the show, but still making it feel like it's just a loose conversation. Well, you mentioned that you and Brandon have been lifelong buddies. So how did you meet? Uh, was it in school? How did yeah, that happen? So, yep. We both had moved right around the same time from Brooklyn to Long Island, both very under-gentrified areas of Brooklyn. And we both ended up in the same school. We were in the same uh, class, computer class in eighth grade. And we were paired up to do a project and at the time, I mean, computers were still very new, and he kind of caught on quicker than I did. So I just kind of sat back and let him do all the work. And at, <laughs> at first, he kind of resented me for it, and it definitely didn't uh, help blossom our friendship in any way. But I think the the more we sat together in that class and the more we talked, the more we realized that, you know, we, we kind of have a lot in common, and uh, it just kind of grew from there. So we've really been, just been friends since we were about 12 or 13. Oh, wow. That's wonderful that a friendship could last that long. And so what compelled you to podcast? Brandon's always just been a natural big mouth. And it's a very, uh, very natural progression for him to go from doing, you know, just calling people every day and just talking their ear off to doing something a little bit more structured. For me, I've always just been a really big fan of everything comedy and as I mentioned, we were never sure how to really pursue comedy because I've always enjoyed the writing aspect of it, and he's more of a performer. For me, I like to come up with jokes and do writing, and he's even written scripts and actually gone out to California and pitched them. But we've always kind of tried to find our way in comedy. And I remember a while back, there was a point where I'm, I've always listened to podcasts. I've been listening to podcasts since back when there were very few podcasts. And I was a big fan of uh, Smodcast with Kevin Smith and uh, Joe Rogan when he started. And I would always tell Brandon about these podcasts, and he just wasn't really a fan of it. He's always been a stern guy, and he followed him on the radio, and then he followed him to Sirius. And he's always just kind of stuck with that. And one day we were on the phone talking like we like we do pretty much every day, and we kind of agreed that maybe it, it wouldn't be the worst idea to just uh, – give it a go and see where we end up because it is a very uh, quickly growing platform that is accessible to anyone. And that's the beauty part of it. And granted, there's a lot of other people doing it and there's a ton of competition out there, but I'm really not too concerned with the competition. I mean, in reality, most podcasts I've learned don't make it past episode seven. So if you've at least come that far, you're already ahead of the game. You don't have to worry about how many hundreds of thousands of podcasts are out there because as long as you stick to it and enjoy what you do, it doesn't really matter what the competition is like. And most of us aren't doing this to, you know, to support our families and to pay our mortgages. It's really just something that we love to do. Yeah, and in general, like independent podcasting isn't competitive and it's really more supportive And because everyone's doing what they love to do. And I think it's a nurturing kind of community of people. You know, the independent podcasts are pretty much the, the underdogs. They're they're kind of like the indie films that are trying to get into Tribeca kind of thing, you know, <laughs> just trying to get a couple of listeners. Right. Reality is that if you get a, couple, a few listeners a week, that's really all the gratification that you could get out of it, you know, just because um, podcasting is such a burgeoning 
outlet now because it's accessible. I mean, people can do it for free now on their phone. So how much easier is it than that, you know? (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it's really just kind of like the Wild West of radio. You do what you want, and you actually have a platform to release it on, which is great. Back in the day, if you had any interest in radio at all, it meant going to college for, you know, for broadcasting and communications and, you know, having to really, you know, do college radio and then jump city to city. And it was just so layered and so hard to do. Um, So this just kind of allows people to get their feet wet and see if they even are good at it or if they like it or what aspect of it do they like. You know, even for people who are just trying out podcasting, I've found that one of the things I enjoy equally as much as, you know, creating content or talking is actually all the other aspects to it, whether it's the uh, creative side to doing the graphics or editing the show or how to market the show, the social interactions, talking to people online and trying to network. You know, there's so many different, um, you know, layers to to having your own show uh, that, you know, really could branch out and allow you to look at all these different avenues. Like maybe you're not the best speaker, but you're really good at editing. So it kind of gives you those opportunities as well. Right. And even if you're bad at everything, <laughs> you can still <laughs> and if, try it. And, and if you enjoy you like it, it, great. You're still ahead of the game. Right. You're still doing something yeah. you love. <laughs> just do it if you love it. Yeah. It doesn't matter exactly. if you suck at everything, you know, just try it. <laughs> Maybe someone yeah. else is in the same boat, you know, so. <laughs> hey, most uh, people are. You know, that, that's one thing I've learned. Most people can't be good at everything, but you try everything until you find the one thing that you're really good at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, oh gosh. So you guys have a theme song, and then you have parody songs too. So who writes them and who does them? Yeah, I, I created all of those. So all the the theme song at the beginning of the show, it's a beat that I created. That's a rap that I wrote for the show. You know, basically just a show about two buddies, and I won't go through the lyrics because some of them are kind of distasteful, but it's a great creative outlet for me. I'm a busybody, and unfortunately for me, all of my hobbies produce zero um, zero dollars, but the nice thing is I have a great outlet for, you know, so that I'm not just some curmudgeon with all this pent-up energy. It's, for me, I'm able to create music. I'm able to create art and apply all these things to my show, which is great. Like, I get to do a show with my best friend and create these things that I know are going to make us laugh or that I know are going to put our faces out there and our names out there. So there's this real genuine want to do better with everything that you do because you're kind of doing it for yourself. It's not like when you're working a job and you're making your boss rich and you're making 10 bucks an hour. Everything you do, you know that, like, you kind of have your own self in mind. Do you have a musical background? Yeah, I've always been into music. I've been playing the drums for about 25 years. I'm in a cover band. We kind of do like the bar and club circuit around the tri-state area. Uh, It's called Once and for All. Other than that, I mean, I've toyed with a number of instruments, but I've always stuck with the drums. Well, that's cool. I'm a big music fan, and so listening to the songs, you did a... Of Little Nas X, Old Town Road, but it was more of like a Old Town buffet, really. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of fat jokes on the show. I feel like that's, it's one of those things where you can make fat jokes when you're an overweight person. You know, it's kind of like 
uh, if you're black, you can make black jokes. If you're Chinese, you can make Chinese jokes. It's fine. So we kind of take the same approach with it just being <laughs> a couple of overweight guys. A lot of the parodies that we've either done or that we're working on, you know, a lot of them, not to kind of get too repetitive, but a lot of them kind of are, the joke is just being overweight. So with that one, that was funny enough. I was just on the phone with Brandon one day and he started humming the song and we started like jokingly making up our own lyrics. And he's like, that would make a great parody. And so literally that day I came home from work and I wrote it in about 20 minutes and I recorded it that night and I sent it to him and he's like, this is fantastic. What do we do with it? Because the thing with having a podcast is every time you create something, you kind of have to figure out how does this fit into the format of the show? Like all of a sudden you're going from being a podcaster to, you know, writing musical parodies. So we just kind of figured, put the name behind it and then just release it and see what happens. And the first, Two days we got about 2,500 plays through Facebook and as soon as and, and that was all organic and so immediately Facebook sees that you're doing well organically and they put a stop to it so right away they limited the number of plays and then since then we've only gotten maybe like close to another thousand and that was like a month and a half ago but it's on YouTube it's on Facebook it can be found pretty much anywhere you can watch videos now but that was a lot of fun. I think that was kind of like my first crack at even trying to create a video for a song, which I think moving forward, I might hand that over to Brandon. <laughs> but otherwise, the song parodies, there's definitely going to be a lot more coming out in 2020. We've got a few things in the works. I've got a couple that I already made that we're, I'm kind of letting a few people hear and get their uh, feedback before we actually release anything. So uh, definitely a lot more of those to come. You did mention of 2020 that you had more of those in store. Do you have any other goals or things in mind for the show? We've definitely got goals. I mean, whether you want to call them metrics for the show or for growing our audience, we do talk a lot and we plan a lot, which I think is really important. I know there's a lot of shows or even shows that I've listened to or that I've even you know been a guest on where – I'll tell them our process, and they're like, oh, wow, you kind of treat it like it's a business. But I feel like you kind of have to. Like, you know, even, even if we're doing it for not necessarily for monetary purposes, but if it's something that you care about and you want to be successful at, I think that you have to approach it from that point of view. So we do have, like, weekly meetings, and then we talk about, you know, not just what's the next episode going to be about, but – how are we going to market it or who are we going to market it to? Like, should we maybe boost some of these posts or just everything down to what kind of graphics do we want to use or whatever? So, I mean, at this point in the game, I think we're trying to uh, establish more of a listener base. Um, you know, I would like to get out of the hundreds range as far as followers on social media. I'd like to obviously by the end of the year, try to get as close into the thousands as we can. I don't, expect to ever be in the millions obviously we we all hope and dream that one day we're going to wake up and open our email and just all of a sudden hey you have a million new likes but it's just not a realistic goal um, i think it's more realistic to say if we can grow our podcast by let's say 10 new listeners a week and go from there i figure that that's a pretty realistic goal if i can get 70 new listeners every few days then that's more realistic and that's i think it's more attainable and you don't have to, because uh, like I said, I mean, the show is not really funded by anyone. We're not sponsored. We're not really necessarily looking for sponsorship at this time. I mean, I'll take it, but I'm not really 
actively looking for it. We're really just doing it because we enjoy it. But we want to perfect our craft, and I, I feel like that takes a long time. And I do feel like we're heading in the right direction, and I like where the show's going, and I think it's getting funnier. And I love that it's evolving in the, in the way it is. So it went from just being like boom, 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 joke, 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 to now we get into maybe more uh, personal topics and we tell more personal stories. So I think as long as we keep going in that direction and people understand that it's coming from a very genuine place, then I think they'll respond to it. And so far the response has been really nice. You know, For a show that's only been around for four months, I'd say I couldn't be happier with where we are right now. Um, from day one, I told Brandon, if we can put something out and 20 random people from across the country were listening to it that I've never met, then I'll be happy. And I mean, we've surpassed that a hundred times over. And I think that it's a great feeling to know that the things you're doing are actually paying off in that regard. You know, maybe not in a monetary sense, but in that regard, knowing that the things you're putting out are actually reaching an audience and people are reacting to it and they're engaging with you. It's that's, that's very rewarding. Yeah, and not just around the country, but globally, too. You really don't expect that someone from, you know, Bangladesh or Peru are, is going to listen to your show. And when it happens, it's like, really? <laughs> First of all, yeah, hey, I'm how always did very it... surprised. <laughs> you understand me? <laughs> and B, you're listening to me? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I'm always shocked at the countries that pop up because, you know, obviously there's ways of tracking um, your data and seeing your analytics and seeing who's listening, where they're from, and age ranges, genders, and things like that. And every time I see a new country pop up, I'm always like, like, sometimes, obviously, like, UK and Australia, like, those make sense to me. But like you said, like, when Bangladesh or Cambodia or Indonesia or, you know, all those countries start to pop up, and you're like, who's listening to this? And then you look even closer to find that they're – not only did they just click on it, it's not like they clicked on it by accident and only listened to the first two seconds. Like, these people are listening pretty much through the entire episode. So, right. I mean, someone's interested. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. And that's a really cool thing, too, because then you realize your reach isn't just across the town that you live in, but it's across the world. So the, I, I find that to be really awesome, too, <laughs> that a little show that you really just do out of, like, a basement or in a little home studio or your bedroom or inside of your car gets that much exposure, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful That's thing. The, it, it's really The cool. magic of podcasting. Um, you know, I know, and, and it's the fact that everybody has that platform now, and not everyone chooses to take advantage, and when you do, amazing things can happen. It's really just being able to, and you can do it kind of in any capacity. You know, I mean, technically that's the same thing as having a blog or having your own website or having your own uh, online journal and people coming on there and reading it. I think the interesting thing about this is that you can uh, get more creative with it rather than just putting out your words. One one of the things that we did start doing, uh, and that and my goal for 2020 was to really establish uh, the show in a way where it's not just talk. Like I want a lot more, um, I want a lot more like sound effects and I want it to become an experience. So one of the things you'll hear moving forward is like, there's a lot more background music, like as we're telling stories or as somebody says something, you'll hear like a sound effect to kind of go with it. And I'm trying to stay away from like the really cheesy stuff. I don't want to just have like, uh, cash 
register noises and fart, and fart, fart machines. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would like to take it a, a little further and be a little more tasteful than that, but yeah. remaining mindful of the fact that it is a comedy show, so there's, there will be plenty of fart noises, but, but it has to be tasteful. It has to make sense with the part and enhance it in some way. I'm not just trying to make fart and dick jokes just for the sake of being dirty. I never liked right. that kind of comedy. But I, I would really like to develop the show in a way where uh, it's, it's a listening experience. So we're starting to experiment more with, like, doing skits. So kind of if we're already talking about something and we've got kind of like a Q&A between Brandon and I, I wanted to kind of turn it into a skit and have, like, actual, like, background music and, like, you know, footsteps and people opening doors and turn it into a thing where almost like old-timey radio where you're listening to a show but you're in the room with them. Like, you could close your eyes and imagine being there. And I don't want to make that kind of the focal point of the show, but it's, it's definitely an element that I'd like to introduce and see how it plays out. Because for me, that seems like a really interesting uh, way to approach the show and really set ourselves apart from everyone else who is just, you know, straight up doing dick and fart jokes because it's a comedy show. Right. Well, the one thing that I, I like about the conversational podcast is that it feels like you're in the same room with the, the people because you sit there and you pretty much almost talk to yourself <laughs> because you're talking to someone who uh-huh. can't hear you, obviously. You're kind of like eavesdropping on a conversation where you want to go, oh, yeah, <laughs> I really like that spoken word version of, of Short Dick Man. For example, my, my best friend and I, she lives in Colorado. We did a, a podcast that we played mostly music, and we have the same sort of dry, sarcastic humor, and also it's twisted and warped. So sometimes we would get into the gutter. So in between our songs, we would banter with each other for a while. And instead of using the typical sound effects, we would, if someone said a particularly, like, joke that makes you want to groan, we would use the gong sound effect. You know, we would just, like, gong each other. Okay, you know, so. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> show with each other do you do you do it together in a room or <laughs> oh gosh that, that um, sounds wrong live 
but we'll record remotely. And then this way, we each have a file with our own track on it. And he'll send me his file, like he'll put it in a Dropbox, I'll take it out, combine everything using um, Logic, and then at that point, I'm able to adjust uh, settings, levels, make both of us sound as if we were in the same room. I'll go in, do a little bit of my editing, add the music and whatnot, and then release it every Tuesday. Is, is it weekly on, then on Tuesdays? Yes. So we release every Tuesday. Typically, it's recorded at the weekend of, so that Saturday morning. His schedule is very hectic, so unfortunately, we can't do it during the day. We can't do it at night. Uh, it's actually the reason that he's not on here with me right now. So he, his work schedule is crazy. Mine's a little bit more flexible, which is nice, so I get an opportunity to, to do this kind of stuff. But we record Saturday mornings at like 6 o'clock in the morning. We'll go for maybe about an hour or so, and then I have the weekend to toy with it and then release it on Tuesday. Okay, that, that's good to know. And for people who wanted to check it out too, how are you able to find a podcast on social media or listen to it? Uh, as far as finding the podcast itself, you can basically find it on any platform where podcasts are available. I have it on everywhere, actually other than SoundCloud right now. It will be available soon, but I'm not crazy about their restrictions. Otherwise, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, um, Stitcher, all the bigger platforms you can find us on. And social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's uh, TNTL Podcast. And are there um, certain social media platforms that you prefer more than others? I'd say I prefer to work with Facebook to be honest, I think it's not even so much the ease of use. I think it's just the fact that we've all used it on a personal level for so long that it's just easier for us to navigate at this point. So just creating uh, a page for the podcast was almost as simple as creating a page for your personal profile. And from that point, you already know how to post pictures. You already know kind of all the little intricacies of using their website and app. I feel like the other ones I'm less familiar with because I'm a gentleman of a certain age now, and I don't necessarily go on Instagram and Twitter the same way that my niece does. So for me to go on there and to navigate it and figure out the best way to, no, I mean, I, of course I can post a picture and I can write a hashtag, but I feel like you really have to understand how the platform works and, and how they're using your brain to navigate, you know, ads and to kind of navigate where they want you to go. So you have to take the same approach and understand how to navigate your audience. And I'm most comfortable doing that with Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> I I agree. I, I would probably say Twitter and Facebook are uh, about equal for me, but Instagram and all of the hashtags and it's, it's more photo driven, which my show really isn't based upon pictures of food or selfies or stuff like that. I don't want to um, expose anyone to, to that nonsense. So, <laughs> you know, right. so. Yeah, I mean, I'll try to, because it is a comedy show, I'll create memes that I post almost daily. And that's really just to kind of, you know, keep the content fresh. I know that certain, if not all of them, I, I'm, I'm assuming most Social platforms will favor pages that are putting out relevant, fresh content daily. So I try to at least 
put up one new thing, even if it's just like a happy Monday, guys. Like, remember episode three? Check it out. You know, something as simple as that where it's not always going to draw in the biggest audience or get you the most likes, but it keeps you in people's minds and it keeps your page fresh. So I will continuously do that. I'll really push posts that are, are marketing a new episode. That's when I really push it. So every Tuesday, our reach will all of a sudden go from 50 organic people reached on a post to, let's say, 1,500 because I'm actively trying to get people to the page and trying to get people to click on it and listen to it. So that's when we really see our biggest boost. Mm-hmm. Now, since you're fairly a new podcast on the block, have there been any resources that helped you out? like Facebook groups or any forums on Reddit or anything like that? Um, to be honest, I know you had said that it's a small community and everybody's trying to help each other out. That hasn't really been my experience. I feel like there are some people, like you and I, who are nice and generous and want to help one another out and have each other on one another's shows, um, you know, just to learn about each other and to help each other's shows and stuff like that. I think that's really nice, but I haven't really found that a lot of other podcasts are like that. And that's also why I kind of treat it like it's a business. It's maybe not necessarily the most profitable business, but a business nonetheless. Uh, Everybody's kind of looking out for themselves. And a lot of people don't want to give away their trade secrets. And a lot of people don't necessarily want to take the time to help one another. I try to be as transparent as I can because I do use Reddit once in a while, and people do ask questions about, like, what kind of equipment do you use? Or people will write to us, and they say, what's your process? Because they're interested. And I'm always happy to help, but I feel like in the past, anytime I've done that, especially very early on, most people weren't as receptive. Most people weren't as willing to give up that type of information. And it's never just a flat-out no. It's either just, like, one-word answers or just not really going into any kind of detail. I feel like I'm, like, hassling people just to let me know, hey, like, what's the best thing to use for two people who are in two separate states that are recording remotely? And a lot of these things, I I guess I could say that it was a little bit of a, a hard experience for us because we had to learn it all on our own. But at the same time, it's also a more rewarding experience because we did do it ourselves. We didn't ask people every step of the way, what do you do? How do you do this? It was just kind of like trial and error, which is also the reason that I think the show continues to evolve because we're learning new stuff every single day, whether it's marketing related or equipment related. So it keeps evolving and keeps getting better for that reason. Yeah. Well, there have been situations where I've been in where you ask a question and really you don't get the support that you're looking for or the outreach that that you need because I think people are too wrapped up in in their own podcast. So I think that's a big part of it. I tend to avoid asking questions too because I I kind of want to dip my feet into the water and learn it myself rather than relying on someone for assistance because I feel like that's a crutch sometimes too. People go looking for answers to questions that – they should be really researching and um, practicing on their own. Right. Some people have been, you know, kind enough to answer questions. I don't want to make it seem like no one's been any help at all, but I feel like 
probably the people that have been most supportive. Obviously, you want to kind of look to like friends and family first because they know you well. You know what I mean? So they'll know whether you're being genuine on your show or not. And when I have friends who listen to an episode and they'll tell me, oh, like this didn't really seem like you were, you know, this, this was really you that you were acting, you almost kind of take it as a compliment sometimes because that's kind of the idea, like at least for us. At some shows, Mm -hmm. you know, like the same Sherry that you're here may be the same exact Sherry that you are when you're not doing your show or vice versa. So I know that the version of Brandon and Andy on the show is definitely more animated. It's definitely maybe a little bit more, the jokes might be a little more, uh, what's the word? I mean, I don't want to say that we're trying to be misogynistic in any way but it kind of does have a little bit of that tone and not even so much in a bad way. It's just, we're trying to come across as just two unapologetic guys who have this view of the world and that's just kind of who we are. And that part Mm -hmm. is genuine, but I feel like sometimes we take it to a point where obviously the conversations we have just on the phone are not the same conversations we would have on the show. Like you kind of have to, you know, once you hit record, you can't lose sight of the fact that it is showtime. Oh, yeah, exactly. Oh, the the Sherry that's on here is completely different because mine's like an interview-based show. I'm definitely more drier, sarcastic, and cynical off of the show, and I swear a lot more, too. So, <laughs> so that, that for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's... Yeah, swearing's a big one. I think Brandon's a little bit more careful with his words on actually I'd say he's a little more careful on on the show than he is on the phone and I'm probably the opposite I think (laughs) but it's also just keeping in mind that you know who you are who you are on the show could affect who you are off the show and that's something that he's a little more mindful of than I am he is a successful guy and I couldn't be more happy and proud of him but um you know the fact that he's in the position he is in he can't go on there and freely speak his mind or be like this outlandish character to the absolute extreme. Like I can be a 10 at all times and I'm not worried because my, you know, <laughs> my wife knows who I am. The people at work know who I am and I have nothing to hide. I just I sometimes feel bad that he doesn't necessarily have that same luxury. So I try to push him as far as I can. And I could tell that there's definitely some hesitation here and there when he's telling stories or trying to crack a joke. And I'm like, come on, just say it. You know, <laughs> but we definitely try to remain true to who we are, but I'm I'm okay with playing a more animated version of myself on the show. Mm-hmm. So do you have anything to add or promote either for the podcast or personally? I'd say Brandon and I, we, we're really, really enjoying this process. At this stage, just being around for a few months and the fact that we do have people listening and liking and engaging is rewarding enough in its own. My hope is that people just continue to find Try Not To Laugh podcast, download it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, and continue listening because the show, like I've said, is going to continue to evolve. And it's going to, you know, the same show that it is today, I'm sure will be very different than it is six months from now or a year from now. And I'm hoping that it, it changes for the better the structure keeps evolving and changing, and I feel like the guests are going to keep getting better and more informative. So I'm definitely expecting a really good year for us. 
definitely check out TNTL Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And make sure you search for Try Not to Laugh Podcast with Brandon and Andy on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, and everywhere else that you can find uh, podcasts. Oh, Andy, I appreciate your time so much. It was fun talking about your show and about podcasting in general. And I love the show. Like I said, it, it well, like you mentioned before, it's not safe for work, but definitely um, listen to it if uh, you have headphones <laughs> and you're there or on the train or the subway or any place like that. But it, it's definitely funny. And I would just go there just simply for the conversation that the two of you have together. It's really natural, and you can tell that you've been friends for a long time, and you get along great, and the parody songs are awesome. So keep that up. I'm looking forward to the evolution of your podcast. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And to everyone listening to your podcast or mine, we'll chat soon. Greetings and salutations. This is Cage's Kiss, the ultimate Cage cast, where we discuss the movies and life of the national treasure, Nick Cage. There are three of us here, and I can't help but notice that none of us are Nicolas Cage. Did nobody call him? What? A Cage cast with no Nick Cage? No, instead of being Nicolas Cage, we're three Nicolas Cage experts, which is the next best thing. I don't think we should admit to being experts. Too late. We are not experts at anything. We are not life coaches, and we are not in any way, shape, or form qualified to give you suggestions on life choices. But Nick Cage is, and he's made hundreds of life choices. Seriously, I cannot stress enough just how much you should not take our advice. But we're experts. No, seriously, we're not experts. Yes, but we will be reviewing his first acting gig as Nicholas Coppola, Best of Times, which features a young and very precious Crispin Glover. And his work in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And his work in My Nightmares. We're experts. <laughs>